Hello, everyone. My name is Katya Woods, and I'll be moderating today's talk with the cast of Swagger. We'll talk a little bit about the ongoings of this season and where do they think the show will go with some of the characters. Let's get started. Reggie, we'll start with you. You are the creator. And let's talk a little bit about how this idea came about and um, how did it go from paper to series? Um, well, you know, Brian Grazer, um, uh, exec producer, al along with myself and KD and Rich Kleiman, um, met KD and he can tell you about it, but they had a meeting and um, um, once they had their meeting, um, I get a call from Imagine Entertainment and they asked me to take a meeting with KD. And um, I met Kevin Durant in, in Oakland. Uh, he was playing with the Warriors at the time. And I went there not necessarily feeling like I wanted to do a series set in this world of, of basketball, but but I wanted to take the meeting and, and just sort of see what would transpire. And, and in the meeting, I really um, just found this, this person who had a lot more to him than, than basketball. And we started to trade ideas and, and really started to talk about a space where it could be inspired um, by uh, parts of his life, but also things in society uh, things I wanted to pull from the lives of my kids and really started to see something shape, shape, which was a series that wasn't just about basketball, but a series about growing up in America. And um, so we, we set forth and, and got it going. Outstanding. Brian, let's ask you, um, what may, you've produced a lot of projects, film as well as television. What about this project spoke to you? Well, I mean, what happened with me and is, uh, well, first of all, I I'd worked with Reggie before. Um, so that was independent of all of that on Shots Fired. And he did a great job. And But as far as this goes, I produced a, a movie and a television series called Friday Night Lights, which is, you know, you could think it's about football and football is part of it. It's a fundamental element, but really it's about kids and it's about the fragile nature of young kids uh, that want to compete in in highly competitive in a highly competitive sport, and um, and it's just about the fragile nature of of their minds, their psyche, kids, and that um, one minute they can be the superstar in basketball or in the case of Friday Night Lights football, and the next second they could be invisible if they were injured or or anything any negative consequence were to happen on the field or off the field. And so that just became a variety of types of shows, real personal shows about character, about value systems. And I thought that there was a bisociative, there had to be a bisociative world. And I happened to be talking to Kevin Durant and he said, yeah, there is. And, um, you know, I went through this when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, originally playing, I guess you call it club basketball or AAU basketball. And I didn't realize just how important that was, in the, certainly in the American culture and how essential that basketball is to advance yourself further in basketball, say in high school, college, and in, of course, into the pros. And that it's that money train started really early. 
So it, it had another dimension that even Friday Night Lights didn't have, which was this sort of money train where, the sh you know, the sporting goods, you know, the shoes, this, you know, these giant shoe companies, whether it's uh, Adidas or Nike or others, um, could entice young kids at 14 years old to start playing uh, basketball and could imagine, you know, where they could sort of project that out to being a career. And so that's, a, I guess, a long-winded way of saying how I got involved and how it all sort of came together. And then I did try to seduce Reg into doing this and I felt relatively unsuccessful. And um, I said, well, why don't you meet Kevin Durant? And, and that's the story that he would tell about that and that uh, he just sort of foreshadowed. And, and that's how, why, how and why I got involved and why it means something to me. Um, yeah, and just to piggyback on that, <clears throat> you know, just even this idea of like the fragility of the, you know, athletes, you know, and then, you, you know, what we are allow ourselves to do in the space of swagger is just even say like the fragility of like young black men. You know, um, you're interesting enough, I have an 18 year old and he got pulled over for the first time driving. Uh, just happened a few days ago, you know? And it was something that was like tense and he has so much going for him right now. And it's just one of these like weird rites of passage that you sort of go through with your kids and you sort of like, you take a breath because he survived it and knows how to do it. But there's always like this sort of kind of underlying pressure that happens on the court, but even especially off the court. Absolutely. Let's chat a little bit, O'Shea, about your character. There's been a lot of um, television shows and films about um, sports and, and, and the aspect of winning. Like winning is really important in our society. We like to win. But um, your character takes a different type of approach. Like he wants to win, but he's really interested in building characters. He, through his own personal experience, doesn't want to take a shortcut. Um, how much of that spoke to you, not just as an actor, but just as a man? Because I think we get, the bad coaches get a lot of attention, but we don't give a lot of credit to the coaches that build winning franchises, but most importantly, winning young people. Um, you know, it, it definitely hit home uh, with me because, you know, like like most black kids, we grow up thinking either, you know, the mic or the ball, whether that be basketball or football or whatever. And until I was about 16 years old, I was going to play for the Lakers. It was going to happen. This is what life was going to be. And it didn't turn out that way. And I went on to coach my little brother and I, I you know I know it, it might not always turn out that way so you want to make sure you're somebody who can help them win not only on the court but off the court and it's about developing them as young men uh, and lady to make sure that they succeed in um, in this crazy world it's a it's, it's a game both ways on and off the floor and I was really able to attach myself to a lot of Ike's you know, personal beliefs, because I, I recognize that that same mentality. And, you know, a lot of my, a lot of the things you might see on screen, um, 
went went the way that it did because I was able to connect with my team. You know, I I, I miss my squad, Swagger. I miss y'all. Um, and uh, yeah, I want them not only to succeed in our show, but shows after us too. Same way Ike does uh, his players. Outstanding. Isaiah, you're playing a young person who becomes famous in social media age. And um, it, it can be a positive and a negative. You know, there's already pressure enough in, 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 in maintaining number one status and maintaining the athleticism, but then you have the added pressure of people from the outside judging, commenting, and the list goes on and on. Um, and you're experiencing a little bit of that yourself now that you're you have your first starring role. Talk about um, how it was like, you know, navigating that space, not just as a as an artist, but as a person. Well, I'm really, um, you know, proud of us. Let me start with that. Um, I'm really proud that Brian Grazer and Reggie Bythewood were able to, you know, allow me to be part of this because this is really a story that has always felt like it's come from my point of view. Um, I can relate to what it's like growing up in America and being looked at as cute and cuddly one day and the next day looked at as a menace to society. You know, I know what it's like to, I also really know what it's like to be a black man in America pursuing a dream. So, you know, this is, uh, this has been an honor and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's still got its curves now with this, you know, now with it being out, but I'm adjusting and, you know, uh, just got to keep your integrity to yourself, just like Jace. Absolutely, absolutely. Chanel, let's pivot to you. You play a mother that comes off very strong, very opinionated, overprotective, and butts head with the coach. But as the season progresses, we learn that there are layers to her. There are, there's a reason why she is the way she is. She's just not trying to be unpleasant, which is always something that black women have to contend with when we stand up for our children, when we are assertive. Talk a little bit, what is it that you brought from your own experience to this role? Um, obviously my own mom, you know, and um, Reggie put me in touch with, um, one of the writer's mom kind of has this same unique situation where she was a single mom and her daughter played ball. And she also had another daughter that was a dancer. But um, I, the script was very strong that I can, I can feel that it's made by real people. So I get it as well where, you know, you grow up and you see a struggling parent and it's about your child and, and I'm a parent now. So I'm also pulling for my life. Like you want your kids to succeed. And unfortunately, sometimes being a parent of a child of color, you have to like fight people off at a very young age. So um, I pulled from my mom, uh, the writer's room was very helpful. I got to speak to people. The script was strong and Jenna's just fun. Like it's something I'll take from her is her strength. She doesn't care like what's in her way. Her son has a gift and Isaiah was such a gift as well. The person that he is is like, move, this my baby, let him shine. So I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a gift for me to, to play her strengths. Absolutely. This season also dealt with something that I think we don't talk about enough in our community. 
that is violence against women, especially young girls. And what to do? What steps do we take? Who do we trust to tell our truth, to confide in? Um, Clovan Janae, I have to say, I was very moved by your performance. And I know this was difficult for you. What is it that you wanted to say to young girls that are watching the show about this journey and just about speaking up? Because it's, it's, that's the toughest part. When do you speak up and who do you tell? Um, I mean, to overall answer everything you just asked me, for me, I did a lot of research. And sadly, a lot of the time, young girls, women in general, feel like they have no one to go to. And they could have their parents, they could have friends, teachers, like peers, and they still feel like they have no one to go to. So, I mean, it's hard to give the advice of just find someone because when you're in that position, it's hard. Like, it's hard to feel like someone will believe you, someone will listen, because at the end of the day, someone manipulated you or made you feel something about yourself, that now it's hard to step out of that box and see something different. But if, if I could do anything in the world, I would let every young lady, woman, whatever, just talk to someone. It doesn't matter who, someone will listen and someone will hear you. And that is the most important thing for me doing this character and this role is that it's okay to talk to someone, male, female, whatever. It is okay to talk to someone and open up about things that you've gone through. And that was just really important to me. And also to have the role be authentic so that when young girls or whoever watches this role, the conversation can be started and someone could be able to turn to their mom or their friend and be like, that happened to me, you know? Absolutely. Um, your story was not the only heavy part. Um, you know, we, we see at the beginning of the season, everything is in one world. And then as we get closer to the end of the season, we are in the pandemic. We're dealing upfront with how the sports world, how the school world is dealing with the pandemic. And th the scene is episode 107. At, or the maze, as you like to call it, Reggie, uh, is everyone got a front row seat. Not just the Black characters, but the white characters got a front row seat what it's like to be Black in America. And kind of like trying to protect the kids, but at the same time rationalize like, man, this is really happening. Um, let's talk about Reggie, why? you chose to, to go there and what is it that you want? Obviously you want people to feel uncomfortable to push them forward, but what was your main reasoning to say, you know what, this is, this is where I wanna take their journey because you didn't really have to go there. Right, well, you know, it, was, it was interesting, first of all, when the pandemic hit and, you know, it was like some sort of sci-fi movie. None of us could have ever envisioned something like that. And so <clears throat> popular opinion at that time was when you would come back from production to sort of ignore the pandemic. Nobody wants to see actors on screen with masks over their faces. And so I really 
thought about it in that light, but really felt like we were missing an opportunity. We were missing an opportunity to deal with the pandemic of COVID-19, but the pandemic of racism. And, and felt that this was like just the perfect opportunity to hold the mirror up to where we were in 2020. And, um, and so much of what I really wanted us to deal with was the, the, the team that was a strong family unit and to sort of see what happens when outside forces challenge them and how they would come out of this sort of horrific experience stronger but ultimately, as you as you as you say, Katya, like challenge the audience, challenge perspectives, and 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 always throughout the entire narrative um, of season one, it was always asking the question of how do we treat kids in America? Absolutely, Trisha. Let's talk about your character. Um, in my opinion, I view him as somebody who's good hearted, but I also understand the choices that he makes because being black in corporate America, we have to code switch. You know, we got to pick our battles. We got to decide if what we're doing is going to open more doors or we going to be the first and last one in this cubicle. Talk a little bit because that episode, it was like a turning point where he was like, he had one opinion of the team and then he learned to have more respect for the team, seeing what they went through. Um, talk a little bit about that, you know, just trying to decide, okay, which battles to pick in corporate America. Um, I think early on when we first see Alonzo, we see a guy who is, as, as you just said, somebody who's already kind of a, a very integral part of the corporate structure, especially being black in the corporate structure. What does that do? The code switching that has to, that has to go down for it to even feel uh, well in his body or uh, in order to not piss other people off. So I think very early on, we see somebody who is not only already in the structure, but somebody who is only thinking about self. He thinks about getting the job done, what would look best for himself, how can he uh, position himself to look the best. It's always about him. It's him, 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 him. He's, you know, so even when, even uh, when they're telling him about swagger and they're telling him, you know, that this is a great team, you know, uh, you, you, should, you should be paying attention to the team. His focus is, well, it doesn't fit our bottom line. It, it's not until something that actually touches his own humanity, him being a young black man, something that is something that has to remind him of the humanity of the kids that are also in swagger, that that shift happens. You start to see the, the, the feelings start to kind of become more prevalent versus what is the bottom line for work. So uh, I, 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 it, it sucks that it has to be that it, it sucked that it had to be something horrific that had to happen to these kids for him to to want to step in and finally kind of do something but i think uh he gets his comeuppance at the end you know uh if you if you haven't seen it i think you should watch the last episode <laughs> absolutely absolutely tessa let's get to you you're a woman coaching you're not the cute girl just there you know 
Uh, you have agency, you have opinion, and also you, you, it's, you're in a predominant black world and you're not trying to be, at least that's not the way I view your character. She's not trying to be the white savior. She's actually learning and observing and adding to the puzzle. Um, talk about what that was like for you, because too often sometimes these shows, it's like the white character is there to bring credibility, but you're a part of the dialogue. You're not necessarily leading the dialogue, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you were saying, and that's a testament to, to Reggie and the writers. Um, I, Meg is in this world is completely a part of. She grew up in the basketball world. She feels very comfortable in, you know, it's about basketball and about these kids. She's got a large program. She works with, you know, kids from five to 14. And, um, you know, as she states, she likes to pay her bills too. So she's a part of this world. And I think in, in Meg's journey has seen, you know, has seen racism in America, but in that seventh maze, you see her be gobsmacked by her whiteness. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's a testament to the writing and a testament to, um, to Reggie, but she's absolutely a part of the, the story. And in my, also in my interpretation is never trying to be the white savior. Absolutely. Azzy, let's come to you. Um, Reggie, you were, I'm sorry, go ahead, Osha, you were gonna say something. Yeah, because I, I, you know, me, uh, me and Meg, you know, we're we're kind of a the, the tag team of of the show when it comes to you know running swagger, and I really love the character of Meg and how she aids Ike because I, I feel that Ike, the three ladies in Ike's life that keep me Ike, uh, my wife Tanya played by Christina Jackson keeps me grounded, uh, Jenna Carson Ash now. She keeps the pressure on me, all right? She keeps me focused. But Meg, Meg is kind of, she's the arrowhead. You know, she she makes sure that our trajectory always go, goes up. And without that character, not only would I open my mind to the business side of the game, but Swagger isn't the team that it is. We, we merge teams to become what we are. And uh, yeah, I feel like Meg is kind of the, the spearhead for all of that, for a lot of growth of the team. Absolutely. Ali, let's go to you. I love that your story kind of snuck up on us, right? We were all focused on Jason, basketball and coach and all this other stuff going on. And then we learn more about you. We learn that you're dyslexic. We learn that your dad is a little bit of, you know, like a lot of dads wants things for his son, but never asks him what he wants. And most importantly, uh, we tend to underestimate people that are quiet and think they don't know nothing. But mean, in the meantime, you were soaking up all the knowledge and you were, you when it was time to show and prove, you did. Talk about why that's important, because there are a lot of kids like you that, that are quiet, that are secretively super smart. And, and just because they have a disability doesn't mean that that they're that they can't do things. You know, talk about why that's important to see as well in a show like this. 
I mean, it's very important to see kind of like what you said, don't really count out the quiet kid, you know what I mean? Because Royale's character is really just trying like to consistently prove himself and kind of like also fit in and be among everybody and let them know like, you know, because he's always know he's kind of like been an oddball since growing up because of dyslexia and just everything in his life going on. So everything that he's been trying to do from like day one is just get on the good side of everybody, really just trying to make friends and really just trying to like let everybody know like, hey, I can like I can contribute too. like I know like I started off like kind of garbage on the basketball side. But hey, like I got all this secret knowledge, which he finally you know, just let out at the end and this big burst of edit because he just had enough. You know what I mean? He's been taking it from left to right from the coaches, his dad, his teammates, everybody. And it was just like he got to his breaking point where he really just had to like, all right, you know what? Let me just let everybody know what I know right now and kind of just like put an end to all this Royale messing up thing. Royale don't know nothing about this. So it's really um, and I kind of had a little to relate to this growing up. You know, what I mean, not like like word for word what happened to Royale, but it's just certain things where I used to be a little bit shy and certain things that people didn't think I could really like, you know, kind of contribute the same way Royale doesn't, they don't think Royale can contribute to what they're doing. And I think, um, I, I think it was really amazing of Reggie to write this part of like Royale kind of coming out of that shell, you know, letting people know like he is not the one to be messed with. So, yeah. Absolutely. So right here, back to you. A lot of people think swagger stands with how you walk and how you carry yourself, but let the people know what does swagger really stand for? Because I don't think everyone knows. Well, I think that, you know, the way you walk, um, the way you carry yourself is a characteristic of swagger. Um, But, you know, for us, you know, really, like if you just really think about this sort of intestinal fortitude it takes to prevail, you know, in, in, in basketball, but also in life, it's really about having a cause bigger than yourself. So for us, you know, true swagger, you know, is that person has a cause bigger than yourself. And then you find the strength and the motivation to, 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 to push, push forward. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank everybody for this incredible chat about this incredible show, which if you haven't seen, need to go to Apple Plus and hit play. It's 10 episodes or as Reggie likes to say, 10 little movies. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this chat and we'll see you at the next time. Thank Thank you. you. Go Lakers, go Lakers, go Lakers, go Lakers. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) shit.